God is good, isn't he? You know, I, uh, several years back when I took my first trip to Kenya, I realized they say something all the time. It just hit me this morning as we were reading, uh, as we were singing that song. And uh, when, when someone would say, God is good, you know how they would respond? All right, so let's try it. God is good. And then I would respond all the time. God is good. Let's do that again, all right? God is good. And all the time. Do you believe it? All right, well, open up your Bible in Exodus chapter number four. We have been in our series uh, walking through Exodus, and Pastor Dave kicked off the series a few weeks ago with the main thought really being that God cares. And what a great truth of Scripture that the God who spoke the worlds into existence knows my name. Can you believe that? The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows when you cry. He, uh, Psalm says he collects our tears in a bottle. That's how much God cares for you. The second week we looked at the fact that not only does God care, but we said that, that God spoke, right? So in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2, uh, God starts initiating, God starts pursuing, God starts entering in to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt and out of bondage. And we see that Moses is born and Moses is protected and God's plan is not going to be stopped. God's plan is not going to be stopped. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And so last week we looked at Exodus chapter number 3 and, and, and the burning bush, right? And, and, and God spoke, Moses, and, and I'm not sure how I would rec- How many of you were here earlier this morning as we were doing Old Testament Live in here? And when he opened up the Bible and it, it caught on fire, did you guys see that? Okay, I was hoping he didn't do something to my Bible as I opened it this morning. But if you didn't see that, come back tonight at 4 o'clock. I'm sure he'll re- redo that, right? But when, when the bush was burning, that's one thing. But when the bush spoke to Moses by name, how would you respond to that? Who's running in the opposite direction? Who's talking back to the bush? I'm, I'm out of there. I'll just be honest with you. And, and Moses responds. So it's a good idea when, when God speaks to you, you probably ought to say, hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm listening. And, and we're not going to get into chapter 4. I'll just kind of give you a highlight of that. Because remember, we ended in chapter 3. And in the beginning of chapter 4, we said God could use anyone. God uses ordinary, normal, sometimes not even so normal people to do his will and his plan. And, man, that's an encouragement to me. That God can use anybody. God can use even someone like me. I had lunch with somebody this week, and, and they, they said that as you were talking about standing before the judge last week, my wife nudged me and said, you guys are way more alike than you thought. And I'm not sure whether to take that as a good thing or a bad thing, but God can use anybody. And I'm thankful for that. But Moses was given excuses, and what am I going to tell the nation of Israel? And remember he said, tell him that I am has sent you, the, the great I am, the I am that I am. And that's who you're going to say. And then and Moses, I still don't know if they're going to believe me. And so God gives Moses an opportunity to, to perform three miracles before the nation of Israel. You remember that? He said, throw down your rod. And he threw down his rod. And, and what did it become? A snake, right? And, and if you know anything the, the wrong thing to do to pick up a snake is to pick it up by its tail, right? But what did God tell Moses to do? Pick it up by its tail. And, and when he did that, it was an act of faith. And he picked, up, he picked up the snake, and the snake immediately became what? Back to his rod again, right? And the rod represented the, the power of God all throughout 
his ministry and the rest of his life. And, and, and so then he says, all right, Moses, stick your hand in your shirt. And he sticks his hand in his shirt. When he pulled it out, what did his hand look like? It was white, leprosy, right? And I'm sure Moses was like, let me stick it back in. And so God says, stick it back in. He came back out, and, and what was it now? It was healed. It was, it was just like it was before. And then the third miracle was, if they still don't believe you, Moses, go and, and dip the cup into the Nile River, get the water poured out on the dirt, and, and the water's going to turn to what? Blood. And so that's pretty much chapter 4. And Moses walks to, goes to the people, him and his brother Aaron, and they, they present to the nation of Israel, God is going to deliver us. Can you say amen to that? Got 400 years of bondage, and God is going to deliver us. And, and, and they question Moses, and Moses performs the three miracles. And, and, and let's see what their response is in Exodus chapter 4. Verse number 31. So the people believed. That's awesome. You, you might want to underline that. And I, I'm thinking for Moses, as, a, as thinking through this as a leader, Moses is unsure about his leadership uh, ability, and he questions God. God, I don't, I don't really know if I can do this, and I don't know if they're going to believe me, and, and, and so I don't know what this journey is going to look like. And, and the first thing he does is tell this people, remember, Moses doesn't think the people are going to believe him, and he tells them, and he gives them the three signs, and immediately they believe. And what do you think Moses is thinking? Wow, this is a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And I wish the rest of the story was that way, right? They're going to spend the next 40 years, and Moses is going to realize, ah, they didn't really believe, maybe. I don't know. But let's finish this verse. Verse 31. They believed... And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, that he had looked on their affliction. Remember we, we said last week, God sees, and God hears, and God knows. And more importantly, on top of those three, three things, he cares. And, and on top of that, not only does he care, but God's powerful enough to do something about it. And, and so they hear, God sees, and God hears, and God knows, and God cares, and God's going to deliver us. And they, so they believed. And what is their response to belief? Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. And see, for us, anytime we come to a, a, a new understanding of who God is and what God is doing in our life, that belief should always lead to what? Worship. Thank you, God. And I wish the story ended there. I wish that was it. I wish it was uh, God used Moses. He told them, God's going to deliver you. They believed. They worshipped. But then real life hit. Right? We're going to see where all of a sudden the nation of Israel, the promise of God of deliverance. But when are we going to see that? Look in verse number 1 of chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Just pause for a moment. I think Moses is this reluctant leader. He goes and tells the nation of Israel, Man, that went way better than I thought. And so he has this newfound confidence Wow, I am a great leader. Oh, and God's with me too. But then he goes to the Pharaoh and says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Do you think that was the response Moses was hoping for? Should Moses have expected that response? He should have expected. That's what God told him was going to happen, but, you know, we don't always listen very well, do we? So look at verse number 4. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take people from their work 
Give back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor? So the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and of their officers, saying, You shall no longer give people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall, you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they, which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. So you see what's happened? Moses goes to the people, and they believe, and they worship, and so he has this new confidence, and he goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And what's the response of Pharaoh? I don't know who your God is. I'm not going to listen to your God. But it gets worse than that. You see what we just read? Pharaoh says, hey, because they want to go worship the Lord out in the wilderness, they must have too much time on their hands. The work is not hard enough for them. You heard that word idle, right? And so what does Moses, what does Pharaoh do? He gives them more work. We're not going to gather the straw for you to help you make the bricks. Now you're going to have to gather the straw for yourselves. And oh, by the way, the same quota that you had previously, this amount of bricks per day, it's not changing. If you have so much idle time, then here's some extra work. And so what do you think the, the nation of Israel, how are they going to respond? Right? Because we've just heard how they responded. They believed and they what? Worshipped. And now life gets difficult. It's what we just kind of sung about, wasn't it? When everything is good in life, God is good, right? And isn't, isn't it easy to just to worship and, and, and when everyone's doing what you ask them to do and your kids are, you know, making straight A's and, and my parents never experienced that. But if your kids are, are making straight A's and, and life is just so awesome and God is so good and it, it's so easy to come to church and, and the car started right up. We didn't have any problems with our car this week. And, but, but what about when life is not so easy? And that's what the Israelites are going to face now. God's going to deliver us? Yay. God is good. And then life became real. And how are they going to respond? Look at verse number 21 of chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 21. So the verses that we skipped over are basically the fulfillment of what Pharaoh said. The work got harder, and they, their quota didn't change. And so how are they going to respond? Verse 21. And they said to them, okay, so this is they being the nation of Israel, saying to Moses and Aaron, their leaders, let the Lord look on you and judge. It's your faults. That's what they're saying. Because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Wow, in just one chapter to the next, a few changing of the circumstances, we go from worship to worry. From worship to worry. It made me think of what Jesus said, that you can't, he said in Matthew, remember, you can't serve two masters for you will love the one and hate the other one. You'll uh, love the one and despise the other. So I think about these two words, worship and worry. When I worship the Lord, I'm saying that God is my master. When I worry, I'm saying I am my master. 
So here's what I want you to think about this morning. Just, just, uh, in fact, I want to encourage you to write this down this morning. Worry will always draw you away from worship. Worry will always draw you away from worship. Again, I think it's this idea that Jesus spoke about. You can't serve two masters. It's really hard to worry and at the same time worship. Well, the next part of that statement is, is good also, right? Worship will always draw you away from worry. And again, it's just an acknowledgement. God, you're in control and I'm not. And God, because you're in control, I believe and I worship. And see, for us, just like the nation of Israel, too often our circumstances dictate whether we're going to worry or we're going to worship. You guys ever been there? You walk away from Sunday morning, man, I'm so encouraged and God is good. And man, uh, the Sunday school class had the exact breakfast I wanted this morning. And, and they sang the song that I wanted them to sing and worship. Ben, finally you sang a hymn, thank you, Lord. And, and, and then all of a sudden, Monday happens. And that God I worship Sunday isn't so good anymore. See, we, can't, we cannot let circumstances dictate whether we're going to worry or worship. And that's what the nation of Israel did. We've got to get our eyes off of our circumstances and put our eyes on our good God. Our circumstances don't change whether God is good or not, do they? But, but we live that way sometimes, don't we? We're, we're no different than the nation of Israel. So the key thought this morning, you can see on your outline the title there, God remembers the brokenhearted. God remembers us. And so Moses, here he's in the middle, and he's kind of stuck in the middle, right? The whole nation is kind of stuck in the middle. Like, you just promised that we're going to be delivered. And now Pharaoh says, no, don't let my people, I'm not going to let my people go, right? No, you guys remember the song, we're, we're not going to sing it, but I'm not going to let you go. And not only am I not going to let you go, life is going to be even more difficult than it was. And maybe this morning you're, you're kind of in that time of that transition, that middle waiting. God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand. God, I, I, I thought I was living for you, and, and why does it seem like everything is going the wrong way? And Moses is in the middle. Moses is the leader, and he's, he's saying, well, God, you told me, and what would you do if you were Moses? What should Moses do? What did Moses do. Remember, they're blaming him. Moses, I pray the Lord judges you. It's your fault. Look at uh, verse number 23. Excuse me, verse number 22, Exodus chapter 5. So Moses returned to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I just got a picture of skipping a rock. You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Return to the youth, right? now. return to the Lord. Will you return to the Lord? Listen, Moses is in a hard place. Moses is stuck here. You know, you know what I'm saying? He can't go to Paul and ask Paul what to do, right? It's not Opie, right? I, what am I going to do? You ever, you ever been in a situation where you're just like, I don't, I don't have an answer, and everybody's looking to me, everybody's looking to Moses for the answer. 
So what does Moses do? Right there in verse 22, he returned to the Lord. What a good lesson for us. When it's right there in your outline, you ought to fill the blank out if you haven't already caught on. Return to the Lord. When life is difficult, when circumstances aren't like you expected, when you, when you felt like God promised, God, you're going to deliver, and, and God doesn't, what are you going to do? And Moses returned to the Lord. And Ben made a statement this morning. He's leading. He said, God's big enough for your doubts. And we're going we're gonna to read this next verse. And in verse number 22, Moses, man, he kind of unloads on God. And, and I wonder what God would do to me if I did. And then I think, wait, I have. Have you ever doubted God and, and unloaded on him? But God, you said, just like the nation of Israel, Moses, it's your fault. What is now Moses going to do? God, it's your fault. Doesn't it seem pretty familiar to Adam and Eve? Remember when God came to Adam? That's the wife you gave me. And what did she say? It's the serpent you created. It's your fault, God. Well, let's read verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord. This is a good thing. And he said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me here since I come to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Wow. Wow. Moses. Blaming God. Look, look on your outline. There's three things I want you to look at. Moses comes and he questions God. And he asks really three questions in this verse. And he says, God, I'm going to question your goodness. Are you really good? You said you were going to deliver your people. It's interesting what he said. Moses returned and said, Lord, verse 22, why have you, he's talking to God, why have you brought trouble on me or on this people? Who, who's Moses blaming? God, God are you, you say you're good. It sure doesn't feel like it. He questions the goodness of God. Then he questions the purpose of God. You ever question the purpose of God? He said, why is it you've sent me? I mean, Moses is kind of confirming his fear before God. No one's going to listen to me. Who am I? I'm nobody. And, Moses, and God says, listen, go. I'll be with you. I will empower you. And now Moses is saying, you sent me on, on a mission. You had a purpose in my life. And then all of a sudden, God You've done nothing. Why did you even send me? And he questions the purpose of his life and why God would even send him. And then he questions the actions of God, or maybe better yet, he, he questions the lack of action from God, right? He, he, he says there in the last part of verse 22, he says, you have done nothing to deliver your people. Isn't this the whole purpose of my mission was to deliver the people out? And you, God, you're doing nothing. And let's be honest this morning. Probably we've, we've all been in this situation. We've all questioned the goodness of God. We've all questioned the purposes of God. And we've all questioned, God, why aren't you doing anything? I've been praying all these years for this miracle, and God, you haven't done anything at all. I 
Look at, look at God's response. Verse number 1 of chapter 6, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go. With a strong hand I will drive them out of his land. Moses, he says, I'm in control. Moses, I got this. Moses, don't worry. Moses, I, I, I want God to say, Moses, if you remember, just a few chapters before, I told you this was going to happen. I told you that Pharaoh was going to harden his heart. I told you Pharaoh was not going to. But I also told you there was a purpose in that, that I was going to show you how big and how powerful I am, that I am truly I am, that I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and here's what I, I, the message for us is really simple this morning. Because some of, some of you, I'm sure, right now are in the middle of those, that doubt. You're stuck in the middle. And you're like, Moses, God. And, and maybe you don't, maybe you're not quite as forceful with God as Moses is. But you're like, God, God, I don't, I don't hear you. You're not doing anything. What's going on? And, and can I just assure you from what God's word says and how God answered Moses? God is in control. Don't doubt that God is in control. And don't doubt that God is good. Can you say it with me? God is good. All the time. God is good. Aren't you glad for that? And Moses doubted. Moses goes to God. He has these questions. And then what we read earlier. Look over in verse number uh, 6. Exodus 6, verse 6. <clears throat> so Moses has come to God with his questions. He's questioned God's goodness. He's questioned God's purpose. He's questioned God's actions or lack of action. God says, I'm in control. And then God gives this promise, which we already read. Verse number 6. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. There's seven statements. I would encourage you to write these seven statements down. Okay, I am the Lord. Then he says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. Number one, I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Aren't those seven great statements? When, when you have those moments of doubt and worry and anxiousness, go, go, to, go back to the Bible. Go back to God's Word and, and what God says He is to the nation of Israel, God is to you as well. So in these seven I will statements He makes, there's four promises that we can kind of pull out of those seven statements. Okay, so if you have your outline, I'd encourage you to write these down. There's seven statements that, in these seven statements, there's four promises. The first one, we're going to define just by one word, liberation. Okay, liberation. So what, what is God saying here? I will rescue you from bondage. He says it very clearly in verse number six. I will rescue you. Liberation. The second one is redemption. God says, I will redeem you. The third one, adoption. I'm going to make you my family. What, what a great picture 
God's going to, to bring the nation of Israel into his family. The fourth one is possession. Remember what he said, this land that I've promised to give you, I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm going to liberate you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to adopt you. I'm going to give you a possession. And just as David pointed out two weeks ago, when we think about this, the slavery, the bondage the Israelites are in, it's really a representation of the bondage that we're in to sin. We see that God cares and God delivers, and he sent a deliverer, and it was Moses. And Moses came to deliver the people out, and, and he came to bring what? This the liberation, the redemption, the adoption, the possession. But it was all a picture of someone else who would come to bring these four things. See, Moses points us to Jesus. And the promise that God gave this was, was I'm just going to give you the spoiler alert, right? Because we're going to walk through the book of Exodus and all these four things that, that God promises in these seven statements are going to come true. But they're all a foreshadowing of what can come true in our life as well. Because the reality is we are all born into sin and we're born enslaved to sin. And God, he loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to liberate us from sin. Aren't you, aren't you grateful for Jesus? Amen. Not only does he liberate us, but what was the next word there on your outline? To redeem. We are purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. He was our ransom. Why did Jesus come to the earth? He came to the earth so that he could live a sinless, perfect life so that he could be the spotless lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And he hung on the cross, and the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's no payment for sins without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus hung on the cross, and by his blood purchased us. He redeems us. He redeems us. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the fact that, that we were aliens, we were strangers, we were orphans, and yet God, through Jesus, adopts us into his own family. Can you think about that for a moment? God adopts us into his own family. And I don't know if very many of you had to picture or experienced adoption, but as a teenager growing up, I experienced it probably more than most of you in the room. My parents started an adoption agency when I, was, when I was younger. And several different times as I was a 12, 13-year-old, 14-year-old boy, uh, we had uh, young teenage women in our home who were pregnant. They would stay with us for the last few months of their pregnancy. Then they'd have their baby. They would go back home. And then we would watch a family come into our house. And I would watch. I wasn't supposed to be, but I would watch my parents give this family a baby. And they willingly chose to take that baby as their own. And that's what God does for us. He willingly accepts us because Jesus paid for us. And he adopts us into the very family of God. And, and then the last one, to have a possession. Their, their, their possession was a land. Our possession is a place. It's in the very presence of God, to enjoy the rewards of heaven for all eternity. And that's why Scripture says, 
as a believer, I've been adopted in the family of God. I've become an heir of God, a joint heir with who? Jesus. Jesus, my brother. We're family. So as great as it was for the nation of Israel to have these promises of liberation and adoption and redemption and possession, can I tell you this morning, it doesn't even compare to what God offers you and I today. So the question, it's it's right there on your bulletin this morning. There's two questions there. The first one is this. Have you been set free? Have you been redeemed? Have you been liberated? Have you been adopted in the family of God? Is there a possession, eternal life, waiting for you in heaven? And if you have not received it, can I say it's really, really easy to do? The Bible says if we will believe in our heart and we will confess with our mouth that the Lord Jesus died and came back to life, we can have salvation. We can be set free from the bondage of sin and slavery. We can be purchased by the blood of Christ to an eternal home in heaven and be a part of God's family. Amen. You see how simple that is? So this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that the only way to God is through Jesus Why not do it today? Why not make that decision today? You can make that decision right where you're at right now. You have enough information right now to just say, God, I believe in Jesus. I confess that I am a sinner. I need Jesus. Would you save me? I believe. You you can do it right now, right where you're at. I don't have to lead you through a prayer. I may, but I don't have to lead you through a prayer. You, right now, right where you're at, before we go any farther or say anything else, right where you're at, you don't have to close your eyes. Right now, in this, in this moment, you can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus is the only way to you. So I confess that I believe Jesus died for me. Lord, I want Jesus in my life. I want forgiveness. And I want heaven. And I would encourage you this morning, if you kind of follow along with me in that this morning, in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to worship. And there's going to be a few of us standing down. There's going to be some men. There's going to be some women. And if you want to Confirm the decision you've already made. I'm going to encourage you to walk down here this morning. Shake one of our hands and say, I place my faith in Jesus. Today. If that scares you, and, and maybe it does, can I just tell you, everybody, in the, the rest of us in the room, we are going to celebrate with you. We are going to love on you, and we're going to praise God for a decision you made. And I know it might be scary to walk down here, but it's okay. We're, we've all done it at some point in our life, and, and we want to celebrate with you. But, it, but if that's still a little too scary, grab the card there in front of you when we close our eyes in a moment. Just write us a little note. We'll get in touch with you. Drop it off to me in the back here in a moment. Because we, we want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. Amen. The, the next question if you are free, I got freed from my sins when I was 17 years old, and, and, and I've never regretted that decision. Hallelujah. If you've made that decision, you're free. But today, 
You come in here with kind of a heavy heart, brokenhearted. Can we have the attitude that the three Hebrew boys had? You remember the story in Daniel chapter number three? And the Hebrew boys were supposed to bow down to the image. They said, no, we're going to serve God, not you. Not you, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they didn't bow, brought him before the king, and what did he say? I'm going to give you one more chance. You remember what their answer was? We don't need another chance. You can give us ten chances. We're not going to bow. And, and here's what we want you to know, king. God is good, and God is powerful, and God can save us, but even if he chooses not to, we're going to worship. We're going to worship. So even in the difficult times, we have a choice. We're going to worship. We have to make that choice, don't we? God, I choose to follow. There's a story of a man from Chicago, and he had five kids, a daughter, uh, four daughters and a son. His daughter died of a pneumonia. And he had a successful business. This, excuse me, a son that died of pneumonia. Successful business. And then you guys, uh, some of you have read about it in history books, right? The Chicago fires came through and destroyed his business. And I wonder how he'd react in that situation. Because he had a choice to make, right? Is God good when it's bad? It is. I'm going I'm to ask Ben if he would, and the team would go ahead and prepare this morning as I finish this story. And so this man has lost everything, and he cries out to God, and God begins to bless him again. Aren't you thankful that God continues to bless? And, and God continues to bless him. He's lost his son. He's lost his business. But, but things make a turnaround, and, and life gets good again, and the business is good again. In fact, it's so good, uh, him and his wife and his four daughters decide, we're going we're to take a trip to Europe, and we're going to celebrate. It's going to be a vacation. It's going to be awesome. And at the last moment, this man couldn't make the journey, and so he's going to catch up with them. So they go on the ship, and he's, he, his business has him held back. And, th and then he gets a telegram from his wife. She says, the ship has gone down. And I'm the only one that's left. So this man who's lost his business, and, and God has restored, he's lost his son, now has lost his four daughters. He doesn't really know how to respond, and so he goes to his wife and gets on the ship to meet his wife. And as the story goes, as he's over the ocean, and the captain gives word to this man, this is where the ship went down. This is where your, your four daughters died. He's moved to emotion. I can't imagine the emotion gets a pen and begins to write these words. He says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, what's the rest of it? And as well, my soul. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you today and, and we know that some people in this room are hurting. 
Some people are struggling to say, I, I trust and I believe, and it's, and it's hard right now to say, it is well with my soul. But Lord, some, some are in a, in a season of blessing right now and, and thanking you and praising you and blessing you. And Lord, I pray you would give them a voice to, to sing the praises of the Lord so that, Lord, as we have some that walk through difficulties, they can be encouraged by the blessing of others. But Lord, I pray in the, in the closing minutes of this service as we stand and we sing this song that, Lord, we together can proclaim that even in the bad times, God is good. And even though it doesn't feel like God is answering my prayer, God is good. And, and because God is with me, I can say it is well because Jesus is enough. Lord, I pray for the ones in here maybe this morning that have made a decision for the very first time that they're going to give their life to you. I pray you'd give them the courage and the boldness to step out in a moment as soon as we stand, that they would come forward and they would tell someone or that we could walk them through some scripture. But God, in the, in, the, in the closing minutes of the service, we ask your spirit to come upon us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. And Lord, that we could, in all honesty, whether it's good or bad, we can say, because I know the Lord, because God is good, it is well today with me. Would you stand with me this morning and as we close out this service, if God has spoken to you, the altar is open, come worship, come pray, come see God. If you made a decision today and you'd like to tell someone, we'll be right here. We'd love to pray with you. But as a church, in the good and the bad, let's say and let's sing and let's worship. It is well because God is good.